0: You know, those like stiletto boots would not be very practical on a ship.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to The Clothes That My name is Liv Hutley, I'm an emerging costume and production designer based here in Australia who's a massive fashion history nerd, if I'm honest. That is kind of our brand. It is. It is, it is. I am Ellie, Ellie Gunton. I am an emerging archaeologist, also here in Australia, and I too love the old things because today we are talking about pirates, specifically female pirates. snaps for that indeed i am so psyched about this and uh yeah so female pirates are a vibe let's get into it let's get into it <laughs> before we begin today's podcast we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the lands that we create the Turrible and Yago people in what is now called brisbane and the Bidjigal and gadigal people of the eora nation in what is now called sydney we pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never seen. If you caught our last episode, you'll know that we sat down with author and pirate scholar. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> Laura Suk Duncom and discussed all things pirate women and how they really went out and smashed that gender binary. Let's like have a recap of what that whole vibe was because there was so much information in that episode and I feel like my brain exploded a little bit because Laura is so iconic. Yeah we chatted all things pirates and about how there were a lot more female pirates than I initially realized. I had absolutely no idea that there were so many and she talks about it brilliantly in her book of course which you can get on Amazon, it's called The Pirate's Life for She. I High, would highly recommend. It's so good, excellent. And about what they might have worn on the oceans as well. Yeah, so we kind of broke down what men would have worn, and then related it to how women probably would have dressed on the seas. So I think it's really important when we're talking about pirate women that we kind of take away a notion of men and women's clothing in some ways. Mm. Because it really came down to practicality. Yeah. I think it's really important to understand that like femininity was almost secondary to necessity, yeah, in so many ways. So we talked about the slops, which is the traditional sort of sailing uniform. so a lot of like flowy linen, very cottage core. So cottage core. <laughs> you know you had the linen shirt the breeches the doublet we talked about how the doublet was really influential that's like a whole nother episode i love the doublet so much because it's so variable if you look at what the doublet was like in england and ireland and then you go over to spain and it was a whole different vibe down there and then you go over to france and they're they're doing it again it was such a, (laughs) it was such a varied garment. And I think like for me thinking about pirate women wearing a doublet makes me really happy. Like I love that look for them. We'll link some pictures of what a doublet was if you're confused about what a doublet was (laughs) in the show notes, because I think it's Just such a cool garment. It was kind of like a leather vest jacket. I think is The picture Pirates of the Caribbean. Something that we didn't get time to talk about on the episode, but that I desperately wanted to talk about, but that we cut out, was about the fact that Pirates of the Caribbean. The first one, mostly... There was some good historical accuracy in parts of that that I enjoyed. And something that I really love, there were a few things, but Elizabeth, her garments, especially in the first one, she sort of goes from like fashion to practicality. And you see that transition and you see her having to wear the slops because that's just practical right at the end. The British Admiralty, that's all they wore. But then right at the beginning, this is the thing that gets me to the corset. But we won't we don't we won't talk about her reaction to the corset right now. That's a different story for another time. I think it's interesting looking at the relation between what pirates would have actually worn at that time and imagery we have of pirates. Mm. Because you think of a pirate and you're like, okay, Tricorn hat. Arrgh, Captain Jack Sparrow. Captain Jack Sparrow. Dreadlocks. Constantly drunk. But the reality was so much more brutal than what yeah. is portrayed. Mm-hmm. I think we touched on that in the episode quite strongly. Because I think it's really important that people don't romanticize what pirates were. Mm. Like, even though I love these women, they were really strong women. They were bad people. They were not good people. They, they were, were bad people. Very scary. I think being a pirate was rough. I mean, we know that pirates often had scurvy. Everyone talking about scurvy. Scurvy was just in a vitamin C deficiency. So they weren't getting enough vegetables in their diet. They had very poor diets. It's something we can see on um, skeletons, though, which is excellent. Ooh. So when we're doing bioarchaeology and uh, we can have a look at people's teeth and go, oh, yes, they were suffering from scurvy, which is a fun side note. Delicious. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> So let's break down some of the pirate women that we talked about. I love them. Let's talk about Grace Grace O'Malley. Grace O'Malley. Well, that's who we mainly, we mainly touch on her in the episode. And we talk about her fantastic life and how she was fighting literally a day after giving birth and how she was meeting Elizabeth the first, like what? Like two Queens, essentially meeting each other, having it. A conversation and coming out with a deal like they were equals I love that I really wanted to want to be there like is time travel possible because that's the only thing I'd go back for I think it's great to think about also how she would have used her fashion in that instance like I know we've got one drawing of what happened and Grace is in a she's in the proper stuff yeah in the 16th century outfit she's got the butterfly net big hoopy thing going on yeah she like she matched the queen with yeah. her outfit and yet honestly probably the next day she was back in the slops yeah get you a woman who can do both uh, it's the politics of clothing isn't it what you wear for certain occasions can really and I suppose we'll we'll definitely go into that later with Jackie Kennedy and and with you know how she is still constantly copied Dr Jeanette Young praise be everyone loved Dr Jeanette Young like she has such a jackie kennedy style and it's because that's what's considered politically appropriate politics and clothing have always gone hand in hand and i think that that meeting is a great instance of that also these women were accidentally political in not wearing female clothing it's so funny isn't it and i think we talked to laura and you guys will get to hear this in our full interview that you'll Mm. hear it sort of a little bit later on in this episode what was interesting to me is that we talked about the gender binary and how these women just did not care. They no. just didn't care they're about it at all. all. And today we would have seen that and been like, ah, oh, yes. Would they have used they them pronouns? Would they have considered themselves gender non-binary Probably or fluid? Not. That's those kinds of concepts. They weren't there. They weren't there. But if they were, you gotta wonder. Yeah, they would have taken them up exactly, yeah. and I mean, we had so many stories of these women dressing as men and often portraying themselves as men mm. and their crewmates knew Their crewmates knew that they were women something interesting that Laura brought up that you'll probably get to hear is that often they didn't know so many didn't mm. know and how many women were men that we just don't know about and that's that's the thing that keeps me awake and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and in a world my femininity is so pushed you know I wonder whether they were liberated by by the thought that they no longer had to look like women was that a liberating thought or was that like a really crushing thought yeah because I think it's and this is coming from a really modern perspective mm-hmm. and they would not have had the language mm. or even the ideas to make this statement but I know for me in my gender I enjoy the femininity Yeah. And so I'm happy to be there. I love a big puffy dress. Exactly. But I have so many friends, close people in my life, where gender just is this beautiful, fluid thing, and they're happy to be anywhere on the spectrum. Mm. Or sometimes they feel like they're nowhere on the spectrum. And it's a beautiful thought to think what were these women feeling? Were they feeling like, oh man, I really want to wear a dress again? Or were they like, man, I don't need that? I'm happy in myself. I'm proud of where I am. I think what you were saying before about what they're wearing being or what they're not wearing being a political statement, I think that that's so true now. Mm. There's this popular feminist philosophy called the personal is political. So everything that we do, everything anyone does has political connotations. And I think that's so true with clothing and what we see and what people wore, like the headdresses that people would wear. Wearing a Spanish headdress to a meeting between England and France would be controversial you know and it's just little touches like that I just love it so intricate that's why clothes are so cool they are and especially when we're talking about clothes in terms of how they can help us understand I guess you know stories Mm. of people's lives and it can really give us a glimpse into how they wanted themselves to be presented I also think in terms of female pirates I wonder if they felt empowered by being a man or, yeah. or, or did maybe they? they maybe they didn't maybe grace when she was dressing as a woman was she more empowered then or was she more empowered when they didn't know she was woman mm. and what is so interesting is how she climbed yeah, yeah. I just wish we knew <laughs> I know <laughs> like we can't unless you have a, a TARDIS hiding somewhere in your closet unfortunately not although that would be nice wouldn't it What an it be so did you because both of us read I probably read less than you <laughs> I did I definitely read all of it you read all of it I I was so engrossed in that book do you have a besides grace what was your favorite well she talked about lots of different kinds of pirates because there were viking women who were pirates and that was so cool to me because she was saying you know we don't have a lot of texts from the viking age but we have these tapestries and clothing being an actual text Mm. i was like oh what a research topic sign me up for an honors that was incredible to talk about, Viking women. The the Chinese lady, what was her name? She was so incredible. There was heaps of heaps of English pirates and Irish pirates and a fair few American pirates. Like that lady who cut off, who got the her ear, ear cut Ooh. off by the bar keeper, the, the bouncer outside of the bar. But the bouncer was also a woman and kept her ear. And then the girl was so upset and she ran away and started this pirate thing... It sounded so whack, but I promise it's real. <laughs> okay, so that Chinese pirate that we were talking about, yeah, uh, Zheng Yi Sao, was one of the pirates that Laura talks about in her book. And we don't actually know her actual name because that was no. That just means the wife of yeah this person. So we don't actually know her name, but she had thousands of pirates under her employ. She had thousands of ships. She was pretty much her own country at one point and China made a deal with her. They said, we like, if you stop doing all of this, if you just retire, we will let you keep some of your ships. We'll let all of your pirates go and we'll give them like superannuation. <laughs> we'll give them, please just stop pirating. <laughs> Just like, okay, as long as you pay me annually to keep me in my old age. And they're like, okay. I love that you just compared them giving them a pension in 1810 to Australian superannuation. Well, look, you know, I've got to make it relatable, right? (laughs) (laughs) But actually, what's really great about Yi Sao is you can see her. In Pirates of the Caribbean, the third yeah. movie. Yeah, well, uh, controversial. They yeah. do, they do sort of feature her as one of the pirate leaders. Yeah, they have them all around this the the table, and they all have like a little thing that can release Calypso back into the sea. Look at me with all my Pirates of the Caribbean knowledge. I've been watching it a little bit too much, but she is there. She is represented, and then they say that you know it's implied that she's one of these big pirate leaders and she was she was the only real one (laughs) yeah (laughs) what what was interesting i really wanted more from her in that film and i got nothing i was really sad i want i want some movies made out of this like where's grace and allie's movie yeah yeah no I live. get on it okay (laughs) where's Anne bonnie's movie that's her and mary reed i want that yeah but I want them to cut out Jack, whatever, Jack- Calico Jack. Cal- that was his okay. name. Yeah. Cut him out. Yeah. So for people who are probably going, who the hell? Who the hell are you talking are about? you t- talking about? So Anne Body, Mary Read, basically this iconic pirate queen duo and they and bonnie was not a good person no <laughs> oh my god like iconic. neither was mary reed none of them were really good people i no. know we can sit here and go oh how cool they stole to <laughs> <laughs> they buried it in the sand <laughs> but like <laughs> they were not good people <laughs> no no and we talk about that so much in the episode of how piracy enabled slavery yeah, yeah. bad piracy kind of was coaxed on and in a lot of ways became part of colonization. Yeah. Which also very bad. So terrible goings on in the Caribbean, especially. Port Royal's a real place. Oh. It's actually the last place I Googled on Google Maps, which I saw when we were driving home. <laughs> I was like, how why didn't I Google Port Royal? But it's real. I love that for us. Mm. It's in Jamaica. Very cool. I feel like people watch Pirates of the Caribbean and a lot of other pirate movies, and they're like, I want to be a pirate. I want to be a pirate. Yarr. Yarr. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. In the same way that people are like, oh, I wish I was born. I wish I was born in the olden days. It's like, no, you don't. It would smell so bad. One. So bad. Two. The nutrition, terrible. Shockingly bad. No McDonald's. I would not survive. I would not survive. No, because Gomez, what would we do? There'd be no drive-through, anything. Coca-Cola, you could do boat through, boat through. I mean, pirates <laughs> getting boat through. Yara, I would like some rum, please. <laughs> this has gone so this this has got got a on such a weird tangent. angle, but I love it. Anyway, I feel like you have context. You know what we're going on about. Yeah. So we're going to introduce you to Laura and you'll get to hear her wonderful thoughts. She is actually the coolest person I've ever met and I want several of her words tattooed upon my body. Agreed. Agreed. So without further ado, here is Laura. Hello. Oh, hello. (laughs) Hi. Hi thank you so much
0: for being here with us of course of course i love your set it's pretty amazing oh
1: thank you very much thank you
0: i'm sorry if you hear my kids screaming in the background they're just very loud they're with my husband they're just very loud so that's (laughs) all
1: right (laughs) so away
0: i mean i am too but uh yeah they're just my two-year-old in particular is just vociferously announcing his feelings about absolutely everything so
1: so you're in oklahoma right now that's a bit yeah. crazy for us because while it's afternoon for you we have been up since a ridiculously early hour this morning. <laughs> crazy but i might kick off it
0: was like after this whole year of living your life on zoom i would realize like get trash out of your like background but
1: <laughs> okay so How did you actually end up writing two books on female pirates?
0: Well, uh, it was (laughs) sort of by accident and also sort of just a a product of destiny. Um, I have always been interested in pirates. Uh, I love them ever since I loved. Peter Pan as a little girl. I grew up watching um, the Mary Martin Peter Pan. They play it here um, in the States on American Thanksgiving, or at least they used to. Um, And I loved just watching the pirates singing and dancing and having a wonderful time. They seemed like they were having more fun than anyone else. So I kind of grew up loving them and just reading about them in my own spare time. And around high school, I was thinking that, you know, if there's male pirates, there has to be female pirates, right? Because if there's, you know, there's male of everything, there's going to be female of, of that too. And in that like sort of boundless naivete of like, you know, youth, so I was like, yes, I'm sure that this is, this is there. And this has been written about, and this is very easy to find. And um, I started tracking them down. And uh, the more I found them, when I went looking they they were everywhere. They're in every story, but they're just kind of tucked away. They're never the star. They're sort of like behind someone else or, you know, so-and-so pirate and his wife, but it's like, they're in the stories and they're in the stories all the way back to, you know, the dawn of recorded history. So I realized that no one had really put them all together and no one had really told her story as a whole is sort of like a testament to the fact that women have always been pirates and women have been pirates alongside of and um frequently in command of male pirates and it's just not something we talk about so i was like gosh darn it i'm gonna talk so that i've I've been doing almost nothing else ever since just talking about pirates I love that,
1: that's incredible. So in doing that, what was your research process kind of like, like where did you even start to find that information?
0: Well, I started, you know, kind of on my travels um, throughout my life, you know, when you go to, let's say like the uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands and you're in a gift store, a gift shop that sells a bunch of like crazy t-shirts and, you know, like fake pirate coins. And then like, there's like one sad dusty bookshelf in the corner with like three books. And you're like, who buys those? Like I buy those. So, you know, that's like a locally published collection of like local lore. Um, and so I had amassed a pretty significant collection of like books on pirates um, before I started this project. But then I also happened to be living um, in Washington DC at the time and so I had access to the Library of Congress and so I was able to sort of request books from various eras and you know I had my library reader card and it was very exciting to me and uh, really just looking at anything about pirates to sort of see what what uh, breadcrumbs were laid out and then following that trail from there to other things but a lot of it is passed down through oral tradition a lot of it is just you know not in like traditionally published books but you know a book of volumes that someone's put out like you know the Treasure Coast Historical Society or something. And it's like a collection of stories that people have told. Um, you know, the truth about pirates is not easy to find um, because they're not really uh, record keepers. Um, they're not really law abiding folk. <laughs> so a lot of it is just sort of, you know, lost. And then what we do have, um, the reliability of it is, is constantly called into question. Uh, we have so few, you know, verified historical documents you know, newspapers from the time, um, primary source documents, but I think the myth and the legend of pirates is is what we have and that's what endures and that's almost more important than like the you know the biographical you know wikipedia entry data is sort of like why these stories persist how they persist and why they're just so darn popular even after all this time
1: yeah so I mean if you had to pick do you have a favorite female pirate or it's uh (sighs) you don't pick
0: that's that's a very hard question. Um, I try to every time someone asks me that to give like a different answer because they could they're all my favorites on different days. Um, but I really I'm really drawn to Grace O'Malley because she's an Irish pirate and um, my family background is Irish and also because she was known to be sort of a working mom pirate. She had you know she had her sons with her on her ships and. Um, you know, she had three sons, I have two sons. And um, I just kinda like the idea of like holding a baby on one hand and then like sword fighting with the other hand, you know, just she didn't let um, having kids like stop her from following her dreams. And I think that's a really, you know, very um, important role model for me and for, you know for a lot of mothers. So so she she resonates with me a lot.
1: Absolutely, so sort of segueing into that idea of like a gendered split, do we have any evidence of some sort of statistic to say how many female pirates were around in like the height of piracy or is there really just no way to know
0: so it there's there's really no way to know because we don't know how many women lived and died as men and how, you know, how many women were never caught so we do have a, a quote um, from, and I think it's in Angus Constam's book. I don't have one of his books, I don't have it on my hand, but it's, uh, you know, there, and this was from the, the time period of the 1700s. They said, there's so many women serving in the English Navy that they might as well have their own, like, regiment. And so, you know, we know many, many women at least went to sea in the Navy disguised as men. So the only pirates we know about are ones who were caught and who were caught as, as women. So, you know, I'm sure many women went to the gallows, you know, as as men and just, you know, lived and died as men and we never knew about them. So I'm sure that the number of recorded pirates that we have is in no way sort of representative of the, um, the number of women pirates that there were because you know, the stories, uh, history is told by the victors, and the victors are frequently, you know, white, cis men, uh, so um, women get left out a lot, you know, not even on purpose all the time, but just it's not part of the story, so I'm sure many men served with women they never even knew, um, so we don't have a real good idea, but, I mean, we know that wherever, you know, men are, women are are, are as well, and so I think, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say, like, you know, half, but I, 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 there could be, I, I mean, I'm just absolutely just, you know, spitballing, but I'm going to say maybe like 15, 20% of, of pirate fleets, I would say, were, were women. Amazing, amazing. It's absolutely nothing other than, you know, wild speculation.
1: <laughs> so they were dressing like men most of the time, but was there a mix of sort of feminine to masculine clothing or was it really sort of, we are only dressing like men?
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. That's a great question. So a lot of the women did sort of dress more um, in a more feminine way, you know, in a way that they could not in the English Navy, you know, I mean, we're talking specifically golden age of piracy, like, you know, if you're found out to be a woman, you, you're, you're kicked out. But in, you know, pirates were racially, religiously, ethnically, and like gender Um, integrated in a way that the Navy, you know, wasn't definitely at the time. And so there were women who were kind of like out as women and not in disguise, but I think they still dress, you know, on a ship, you're not dressing for fashion, you're dressing for function because, you know, like a loose you know, scarf can get caught on a, in, a, in a pulley in a line. And, you know, it's very dangerous. You know, the lives on the ships were extremely dangerous. A lot of pirates died from like shipboard accidents, you know, had nothing to do with the life of, of being a pirate. You know, Navy sailors died as well. So pirate clothing is not really the, you know, the Captain Jack Sparrow sort of like, you know, fantastic Captain Hook tricorn hat with a feather up to here get up that we think of. Some pirates did dress a little flashier than others. You know, there's Calico Jack Rackham, who was known to be sort of a flashy dresser. But at the end of the day, you know, pirates were tradesmen and women, and they had to dress in sort of the uniform of what would keep them safe on the ship. And so, you know, they weren't always in disguise. And Mary Reed and Ann Bonney. We have from their trial transcripts the uh, there some people who had been captured by them testified against them and their and the judge was like, "Well, did you know they were women?" Like, yeah, they were obviously women. Like, we could tell they were women. We could like see their breasts, you know, and the question, you know, we don't know if it was like. You could see their breasts, or just their clothes were cut in such a way that you could, you know. I I kind of prefer the for the former. I think it'd just be a, a shock tactic, you know. That just people were like, and then get captured. Um, it's um, there. I mean, we're not we're not talking a bunch of you know petticoats and skirts in the fashion of the day. You know, it's not like now where we can where women can wear pants and it's no big deal. So even women who were out as women were not necessarily dressing in contemporary women's fashion, but they were definitely not dressing in the saucy wench costumes you see every Halloween. You know, <laughs> That was one of my biggest reasons for writing this book is I just want to sort of dispel. I mean, if you ever Google female pirate and I wouldn't recommend it, you know, it's just yeah. lusty wench after lusty wench. And that's just, you know, those like stiletto boots would not be very practical on a ship. I'll, I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> I mean, they dressed for... For For work, because they were they were workers, and so you know that's that's a much more accurate picture of of what what they looked like.
1: Yeah, awesome. So do you think that there were sort of gender implications in terms of gender identity that was associated with being a female pirate? So were these sort of the first kind of uh, non-binary presenting humans, or was the binary still like very much there and they were just
0: dressing as men or dressing masculine? that's a great question. Unfortunately, we have so few primary source documents that I almost don't want to speculate, you know, because it's very easy to say, oh, there were two women on that ship. I bet they were lesbians, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it sells a lot of papers. and It's very titillating, but we have no evidence that, you know, Mary Read and Aunt Bonnie, in particular for the golden age were, were lovers. We don't have any, any proof of that in any like verifiable, uh, you know, a source. So, I mean, we know that some of them were married to men, so that they were at least outwardly cis presenting i really can't name any of them off the top of my head who i know identified explicitly as like non heterosexual so i i don't think I mean, some of them very well, if they were living today, you know, I often wonder if if a lot of these women live today, like what their lives would be like. And I even, you know, I hesitated to call the book Pirate Women because I was like, well, you know, I don't even know if these, if these people identified as women. And I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to be so, you know, gender binary, but, you know, in the times that these pirates were living, the gender binary was obviously very firmly entrenched. And I think, that we don't have any reason to believe necessarily that they were non-binary i think maybe because that just i mean that term didn't exist that idea didn't exist and so they were just kind of living living their lives i don't know if that's a very satisfying answer (laughs) sorry
1: no i think it's a super well-rounded point that we just don't have the evidence but i certainly hope that one day in maybe finding some that we will but in in sort of understanding the modern ideas that we currently have today about women and working women, would Mm -hmm. you say that these uh, women were sort of like the original feminists? Did they uphold feminist values or were they sort of battling a lot of, you know, internalized misogyny or did they you know, uphold the binary in different ways. Um,
0: that one I feel a little bit more confident about uh, because, you know, to me, feminism means that everyone deserves equal, like equal rights. And these women just reach out and took equal rights. And so, you know, I believe that they, I absolutely believe they were feminists. You know, so many of these women were faced with a life of either, you know, sitting in a parlor sipping tea and embroidering for upper class or becoming a prostitute if they were lower class and they just said you know no thank you like that's not the life that I want and they went out and joined one of the only occupations where a woman could you know sort of make her own money and make her own way in the world that was available to them at that time and so I definitely I think I think female pirates are, are very feminist I think I think that every every feminist is a little bit of a pirate because the pirate just takes something that someone else thinks that they shouldn't have have and so I think you know every woman who has had the courage or just the stubbornness to exist in a space where they knew that they weren't wanted are are pirates I think there's a little bit of pirate in all of us so
1: amazing so from your research we in this episode have talked uh, specifically about Grace O'Malley because mm-hmm. we love her So we've sort of done our own research about what we kind of think she would have worn, but do you have your own sort of thoughts on what Grace would have worn or women at her time would have worn on the open waters?
0: I mean, you know, we have we have a woodcut of her from from the time period that that everyone that was sort of memorializing her her meeting with Queen Elizabeth, and she's in a dress in that, and that you know that again, that's not like verified. That wasn't like a photograph that was snapped, but that was sort of you know capturing the the period of the day. And we you know we have an idea what women on land were wearing at that time, so. You know, grace on ship. I I can only imagine, you know, trousers. Like, I mean, you know, now that, you know, she's not sailing in in the Caribbean. She's in the Irish Sea. So it's, so it's, it's cold a lot of the time. So, you know, I, again, fabric that would be, that would keep them warm and, you know, not, and not um, soggy wet if they're continuing to get rained on or splashed on. And so, you know unfortunately as much as we love the idea of a flamboyant pirate again i think that it's you know it's it's function over over fashion at at, at all times and so i'm sure that grace would have just dressed in the most efficient thing possible that would allow her to continue to, you know, kick butt in every possible way. So although we know she did own dresses and she you know allegedly met Queen Elizabeth in a dress, I was probably married both times in a dress. I'm I'm sure she was wearing trousers on the sea.
1: Awesome. Well, I mean, that's all of our like official questions that we have for you. I have a question. But Ellie has questions. (laughs) I read your fabulous book and you talk about an Australian pirate, female pirate yes remember her name off the top of my head
0: charlotte badger is one of them and then um yeah oh katherine haggerty is the other one charlotte badger and katherine haggerty
1: yes i was wanting to ask you a bit more about how you did that research in terms of where did, where did you find information about charlotte
0: because <laughs> we live here in australia and i've never heard of her no. she i actually found there was like a newspaper in like the 1930s that was just like doing a little story about her like by the way this happened and I did a lot of reading about the Parramatta female factory you know and, and I of course you know living in the United States knew very little about you know convict transport to Australia I didn't know anything about you know the penal colonies there so that was sort of interesting, but yeah, she you know she pops up now and again in like a non piratical setting. Is just like one of the first female settlers of of like you know the Australian area and you know of, of I think New Zealand. They say like oh well she was you know she's she's the first the first female settler of New Zealand. So she pops up in a couple of different places, but I think I, my first tip off from her was a newspaper article like. I'm seeing if I have any notes in the back about it. Some of of these women I've known for so long that I I forget. Yeah, there was an article, A only Woman Pirate in the Sydney Morning Herald in 1937. And that was the first story of her that I found. And then I was like, well, all right, we'll just keep digging and see what we can find. But um, yeah, she's one of the only ones who were like actually in like a newspaper. They're like, oh, look at that. Yeah,
1: wow. I think oh, in Australia we have we have a very dark history of our penal colonies and our settlement and a lot of the convicts that came here were women and sort of were pretty 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 ragged and there's a lot of evidence of them being just very very tough. Mm-hmm. I read in your book you said one out of 10 Australians are supposedly descended from convict women. It's interesting because our history is so fraught with a lot of just bad stuff. We don't dig into the women that no made it happen, but I'm i a bit scared. We yeah. we are a bit scared, but I think it's, you know, definitely worthwhile to dig a little yeah. deeper on that and i know ellie and i will be we love this stuff and we're massive
0: nerds <laughs> oh, that's, you found a kindred spirit in me i yeah i i feel like there's also there's a lot of i like you know i i kind of like went down a rabbit hole of just the the, the whole concept and that there's there's organizations that are trying to like help people who were transported to like kids who were transported to australia like from from the uk helping them like find their parents back in the uk where they were like oh no these kids are just going away for a while and they just disappeared like it seems 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 like a lot of people just kind of disappeared to Australia and never came back. I mean, you know, obviously American history, (laughs) you know, we've got slavery. Uh, we're still sort of dealing with that today. And I, you know, we have a lot of really ugly parts of our, of our past too. And, um, yeah, stuff gets swept under the rug, and it's it's hard to look at. But I think that's why I think it's so important for people, um, who are not typically represented in history to to have their say and to you know just put put their stories out there and put their voices out there. And so you have a more sort of like balanced look of everything. Because even in like the dark chapters, there were still like heroes and there were still people, just everyday people, living their lives who deserve to have their stories told as well, and not just you know, the chess pieces of the big movers and shakers who are changing everything. So I think it's really cool what you're doing. I don't know if I mentioned, I I did a lot of costuming and like I, you know, I studied costuming and I, I did some costuming semi-professionally after um, after college, before I, you know, went off to law school and then took this radical turn and became a pirate scholar. So like, I love clothes too. I, lo- I love historical um, fashion in particular. So I was really, I was like, they're costume people, they're my people. This is exciting. So <laughs> Amazing.
1: Well, I mean, currently I work in film. I'm a graphic illustrator at the moment but my i've also studied costume design that was my degree but yeah it's funny i find that people who have been in costume or in theater which both of us have been we kind of just conglomerate together it's funny but it's amazing to hear that like because i think clothes are such a crucial part of telling history especially women's stories because our clothing has been Forced to be our defining feature for so long, yeah. Um, so it's it's great to hear your thoughts on that uh, sort of side of female pirates.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that's absolutely true because I think you know, in my book, I'm going to talk about the Viking textiles, like the woven textiles, as like a historical document, and I think so many women throughout the ages, like, you know, could not read or write and like did not have access to, you know, uh, recording instruments. And so what did they record? They just record how they lived and how they lived was dictated how they dressed. And so if you want to know, like where somebody's from, you know, you could probably open up a suitcase and not have any idea where the person's going, but they'd be like, oh, you know, I bet they're going to beach. Here's some sunglasses. Here's some flip-flops. Here's this, you know, and so clothes do make the man in, in many ways. And I think they make the woman as well. And particularly when we don't have you know, haven't had access to other ways to tell our stories. And so I think you can definitely, you know, learn from the past in, (laughs) the women of the past are always speaking to us, even if we don't have their, their written records, we have clothes, we know how they, how they dress and that helps us know what they did. So I think, I think you guys are really onto something. I think it's super, super cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm uh, glad you, you reached out. I'm glad I get to be a part of it.
1: Well, we can't wait to show you sort of the whole episode once it's completed, but I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure.
0: Of course. It's been lovely. Thank you for getting up so early. Sorry to get up so early. (laughs) Um, I just have to ask, I mean, are you guys, are you guys Franny Fisher fans? Do you like... Yes. Okay. (laughs) I was like, like, (laughs) clothes in Australia, like you can't do much better than than Franny Fisher. Oh, yes.
1: I went and saw there was an exhibition on that old government house in Brisbane with all of her clothes
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: went through and had a look oh I just love that era so beautiful probably tell yeah.
0: <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. like you know you've got you've got kind of the, you got the hair you got it all going I'm like this is this is a woman who looks like a franny fan so I'm, I'm glad to hear it that's excellent well girls thank you so much I appreciate speaking with you um and yeah if you have any follow-up questions or anything you know let me know I'm I'm a, I'm just here in Oklahoma. So just, uh, Love the good work.
1: Well, everyone, that is all we have time for, for this episode, we Bloody cool. Planning out all my tattoos that are just going to be quotes from Laura. Literally (laughs) an icon of our lives. So, so cool. Big thank you to our beautiful, stunning editor, Fee. We love you very much. Thank you for putting up with our craziness. And thank you for making us sound coherent. If you want more of our uh, wonderful pirate content, you can watch the episode that... Uh, we talk about in this podcast that is on YouTube. It's called She's a Pirate. It is called She's a Pirate. It's on our YouTube channel, If Clothes Could Talk. Uh, the link to that will be in our show notes. And we also have an Instagram that you can follow if you want um, some cheeky, historical, real content. Yeah. Uh, so that is If Clothes Could Talk AUS uh, on the Instagrams. And then if you want to talk to us and ask us some questions, suggest some stuff for some content or episodes. Yeah, if you want to know about something but you don't want to look it up yourself because fair enough. We will look it up for you. (laughs) Indeed, we will. Uh, So you can email us at ifclothescouldtalkaus at gmail.com. And, yeah, that's it from us. Until next time, everybody. Bye-bye.